Hi guys, my name is Sarah Balding and this is my podcast, Faithfully Following. So today we are going to be talking about the question, what are you known for? And I'm very excited for this episode, but we're going to start off with some prayer before we get into it. Dear God, I just thank you for this day and that you are near to us and we can be near to you. I thank you for your word that we can live our lives by, and I pray that you would help me to interpret it well and that um, the Holy Spirit would just guide me um, through this podcast and that you would soften my heart and the hearts of anyone listening so that we can hear your voice and learn from it and live it out. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I recently graduated high school and something that I've been asking myself recently is what are you known for? And this has come up because over the past couple of months I've recognized as I'm leaving high school and moving on to college, there's going to be a lot of new people that I'm going to encounter and there's going to be a lot of people that I'm no longer going to encounter or be with on a daily basis. And so as the year was wrapping up, um, We did superlatives, we did different things during school, and something that really hit me hard was that different people know me for different things. I might be a classmate to some people, I might be a golfer to others, I might be a Christian with a podcast to some people even, Um, but we're always known for something by the people around us, and I think a large part of that is the actions and the way we live our life, and we're going to get into how that works with faith later, but just this idea of always being known for something has become really prevalent in my life. And as I'm moving to college, I get to decide again what I'm known for as I encounter new people. And even if you're not in this same stage of life, we should be constantly asking ourselves, what are we known for? And each person we see walking on the street, at the grocery store, at the gas station, every new encounter and even current encounter, you can change what you're known for. You can represent what you're known for through your actions. And that's a powerful thing because people can see that as a witness or you can miss that opportunity. And so that's what we're talking about today. What are you known for? And we're going to look at um, Saul, who became Paul, um, for this example of what he was known for so we can learn a little bit more about what we can be known for. And I picked this um, example because I think Paul really demonstrates how um, you don't have to be known for the same thing you've always been known for. And I think that's a really, really amazing message um, for Christians because we lived our lives one way before we were Christian. None of us um, lived a perfect life. We've all sinned. And so that was a different um, life that we lived. And once we became Christian, our lives have changed and we now live a different life. We have a different purpose and hopefully our faith will result in different actions in our life. And that changes what you're known for towards other people. And Saul and Paul slash Paul, same guy, different name, is a great example of this because um, before he was Christian, he was a very different person than after he was Christian. And that was noticed by the people around him. So the story of Saul's conversion starts in Acts 9, and I'm going to read the verses 1 through 2 because this is 
who Saul was before he became Christian, before he um, came to know Christ as the Messiah. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So we are starting off strong with Saul. And um, it mentions the followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them back in chains. And the followers of the way is what the Christians were called before they were called Christians. And so that's just a little bit of context. But really, Saul is not a very nice guy to the Christians. That is really clear. He wants to kill them and he wants to bring them back to Jerusalem in chains. And he's requesting permission to do so. So we see right from the beginning that who Saul was in Probably what he was known for to the Christians or the followers of the way in this time was that he was going to kill them. He was out to get them. He was coming to take them away in chains. And that is who Saul was in this time. Um, so then if we go on to Acts 9, 2 through 19, we see the conversion of Saul. And I'm going to just run through this. I'm probably going to read most of the Bible because it always explains it better than I can. Um, but we're going to start off in verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. And now we're picking up in verse 10, which starts with a believer called Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him and called out to him saying, Ananias. And yes, Lord, he replied in verse 10. Starting in verse 11, the Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So we're going to pause there um, before we start in verse 15. Ananias is being called by the Lord to do something very dangerous. And um, we know that Saul is praying to, um, to God that he's had an encounter with Jesus and he's now blind. And so he is probably working through this change of heart. He's, he's praying to God, um, probably wrestling with the idea of how he just saw Jesus, the man who he has been persecuting and killing many people over. And Ananias knows this. 
he he tells the Lord in verse 13, after the Lord tells him to go to Saul, he says, he says, but Lord, like, like, do, do you know who Saul is? He is this guy doing terrible things to believers in Jerusalem. And he has permission to, to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. If I go to him, if I pray with him, if I like have a conversation with him about Jesus, I am putting myself and putting my life on the line, God. Do you know who this man is? And that's who Saul was to all of the believers. He was this man out to get them because he was. He was killing the followers of the way. And, and still God asked Ananias to do this. And we see next Ananias's obedience to the Lord as a believer. The Lord says in verse 15, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And then verse 17, So Ananias went and found Saul. And so this is a beautiful story of Ananias' obedience and Saul's conversion as he um, becomes a Christian and or a follower of the way and, and later is called Paul. But um, what we're focusing on today is that transition of what Saul was known for. And in the beginning here, he is definitely known for being a dangerous, dangerous man to Christians. But Ananias went and he found Saul in verse 17. And said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. So something that I want to point out here is we see in this story who Saul was, we see why he was changed, and later we're going to see who he became. But something that is significant here is why Saul changed and how that changed his witness and what he was known for to other people. Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is this encounter with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and it is the filling of the Holy Spirit that is what is changing Saul. And that is because he believes in Jesus as the Messiah. That is because he has faith now. He has become a Christian, which is why he receives the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is God indwelling within us. After we have said, I believe that Jesus was the Messiah. I believe that he had an atoning sacrifice for my sins and my slate is wiped clean. And that's when you get the Holy Spirit, which is evidence of your salvation, evidence that you have received that blessing and you're going to go to heaven because of God's mercy and grace. And so that is what Saul is experiencing here. He is experiencing a life transforming conversion, and that is in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that is why Saul is changing, and he's changing from this radical guy killing Christians to a Christian himself, a follower of the way, um, as they were called in this time. And so we see in verses 20 through 21 what Saul became. And it says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. 
All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? So the people around Saul are confused. They're saying, what, what is going on? This man came here to arrest followers of the way, and he is now proclaiming the message of the followers of the way that Jesus is the Son of God. This is radical, radical change in Saul's life, and it is changing how other people see him and what he is known for to them, because he's no longer known as the man who caused devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem. He's now known for the man who had this crazy 180, who went from killing people to being one of the people that he would have killed. And so this is what he's known for. He's known for this, this immediate and drastic change, which is coming from Jesus as he is preaching to these people now. And so we could talk about all of the different things that um, happen when you become a Christian and how um, Saul's life really, really changed in many, many ways. And um, that could take a really long time and it's very valuable and important. But today we're focusing on the lens of your witness and what you're known for towards other people. And so that's why I really, really like how we see the confusion of the people around Saul. And, and that's what can happen when you become a Christian. We're going to get into this in a minute. You become a whole new creation. And that is something that is going to change what you are known for to the people around you. And so Saul, again, went from this guy killing followers of the way to writing over a quarter of the New Testament. And we see his strong, strong faith throughout all of his letters and throughout his ministry that he went around just spreading the good news about Jesus to so many people. And that was noticed by everyone around him, I'm sure, because he was known. He had a bad reputation and he just went out and did the opposite. And that is something that people will flip their hands around and say, what? What is going on over there? And that's kind of what we want as Christians. We want to make people recognize our life and that we're doing something different. And that's coming from Jesus. And so one of the letters that um, Paul now, still the same man, just a different name, um, wrote was to the Thessalonians in um, Thessalon Thessalonica. <laughs> it's a very hard name for me. And so as he's introducing um, the letter, he says something in 1 Thessalonians 1.3 that just really, really stuck out to me. He says, as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. In these words, faithful work, loving deeds, enduring hope in Jesus. These are really, really powerful words because, first of all, this is showing what the Thessalonians are known for to Paul and to Paul's group. And he's, he's saying, we know you guys. We know you do faithful works. We've seen your loving deeds and, and people around us know you for your enduring hope in Jesus. And I think that 
those words just are so powerful. The faithful works we do, the works that are full of our faith, because our faith comes first in the evidence of that faith is our works, our loving deeds as we're commanded to love, just as Jesus loved to go out and love everyone around us and spread God's love to those people and to always have hope in Jesus. That is what we fix our eyes on as we walk this life. That is what we are working towards and working for. And just to be known for that is such an incredible thing, guys. And I think all Christians should want to be known for those things, should want to be known for reflecting Christ and looking like him. Like I think that is the goal this idea with Saul a little bit. It says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer because they had seen all of his past actions. They knew who he was, they thought, and they didn't believe he was a believer because his actions were speaking louder than his words to them. And then it says in verses 27 that then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And then verse 28, so Saul stayed with the apostles. And then he went around all of Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And this just shows that after Barnabas told them about what Paul was doing with his life, the actions in, in you can say, works that he was um, exhibiting, that was evidence of the faith in the transformation that he had. And that is what convinced the other believers that he truly had been saved. And it says in James 2.18, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And this is just this idea that I've talked before about, and you can look in my other podcast if you want it more in depth, but it's it's just this idea that we have faith, and that belief in Christ is what saves us, period. That is the end of the story. But the evidence of that faith, what shows that we have that faith to other people and what should be happening if your faith is alive and producing fruit in your life is that those works that you have in your life, the way you live your life also starts to change and that demonstrates your faith to those around you and shows that your faith is alive. Those fruits of the spirit um, that we talk about a lot, I talk about a lot, um, are evidence that you have that faith and that it is working. But the Holy Spirit that you get when you believe is what you're saved through. That's evidence that you are saved. Um, but just those works are necessary to make sure that your faith is is strong and alive and true. It's faith which leads to works, and it's and it's not the works. I can't emphasize it enough. Um, but still, those works are what other people know us for. And so if we want other people to see the evidence of our faith and we want them to come to know the Christ that has transformed our lives, we have to live our lives like we are transformed. And so just a final um, couple of verses that I have for you guys is, again, written by Paul. This is Galatians 6, 14 through 16. Um, this is like 
um, Paul's ending towards Galatians and his summary of all that he talked about over the law and Jesus, which is actually very similar to this idea of like works and faith. And you can check out Galatians yourself if you want to know more about that. But he's talking about what um, he does as a new creation and what he says to others who can become that. He says in verse 14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of this cross, my interests in this world have been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. And it says, what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. And a new creation will be known for something different. So I ask you guys, what are you known for? What do you want to be known for? Because believing in Jesus' atoning sacrifice for your sins is the only way to eternal life. And if you believe, you become this whole new creation and you're given the Holy Spirit, which is God indwelling within you. And this empowers you to start transforming that life into the likeness of Christ, which happens one degree at a time. And that happens if you're choosing to be guided by the Spirit. Um, but in, in this way, through this transformation, you can powerfully impact others through being that witness, changing what you are known for, and showing those around you the transformative power of the gospel. So one last time, guys, I am going to ask you, what are you known for? I encourage you to pray about this, wrestle with it, talk to God about it, and then use whatever the answer is as a launching pad to grow further in your faith and to maybe change what you are known for if it's not yet that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So that is all that I had for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening and just joining me on this journey as we learn together how to faithfully 